Hello and welcome to the About to Interview podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. This is a supplemental version of the About to Interview podcast, which drops every Wednesday and covers movies, TV shows, film festivals, and more. You can follow the podcast on all forms of social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. And make sure to subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Blueberry, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. This show focuses solely on the conversations that I have with authors, directors, actors, and creators, and is available on YouTube as well as subscribing to the podcast. Make sure to click the subscribe button below, give a thumbs up, and check out the full show notes with links to the guests at abouttoreview.com. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a No turning back now. Everything we see is on record now. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. All right. But I never care what I say anyway, so <laughs> got to love it. So the man you are hearing is the one and only Ming Chen. What's up, everybody? <laughs> so you are not only on, of course, AMC's Comic Book Men. I am. You are a, not a fellow podcaster, because you are on a different level of podcasting. Oh, come on. We're all around the same level. We're all podcasters. We're all so <laughs> creators. We're all awesome. That is true. So you have a bunch of com or a bunch of podcasts I do. as well. I sell comics. Yes. You've now been, it seems like, on Facebook Live producing way more content oh, yeah. than ever before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Mike and I, Mike Zapsik, if you watch mm-hmm. Comic Book Man, he's a, a fellow co-star. Right. We, uh, we recently opened up a, a podcast studio. It's a recording studio aimed specifically at podcasters. So uh, we kept running into people who were like, you guys podcast can you like is it hard is it expensive mm-hmm. i've already wanted to start my own i don't even know where to start it looks really hard technically i'm like right we were like it's not that hard but i could see you know if you haven't been if you've never done it for sure it's intimidating there's a lot of gear there's a lot of technical things to worry about and mm-hmm. then you know mixers leveling you know zoom yep. recorders microphones soundcloud you know what <laughs> itunes right i can see it's like wow okay it's not that easy mm-hmm. and we're like man what if we just had a place where people could come down and we all they have to do is bring themselves and their voice and you know a co-host or an right. interview subject and we help them record and upload and we just take care of it and that is awesome only, finally we got our stuff together and we open we open up a podcast studio uh it's called a shared universe podcast studio definitely plug that yeah, yeah. and uh you know we were like well this is everyone's got their own universe why don't you come and share it you mm-hmm. know, at our at a shared universe and uh, so that's what we started, and it's been going great. Awesome. A lot of, lot of first-time podcasters mm-hmm. becoming very nervous. They're like, oh, this, this, I'm scared. Like, what do I well, do? Well, I mean, and they're this. across the table from you, and they're like, I've been hearing you for years, yeah, you know, so nervous energy. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, relax. We're just going to have a conversation. Yep. You're going to talk about whatever you love, and it's going to go so quick, you won't even realize it. And by the time they leave, they're, like, oh, they're on like a high. It's like an absolutely. adrenaline thing. They're like, oh, yeah, can I come back next week? I'm like, absolutely, you can. So I think this could this could work out huge, and I would love to see every geek or mm-hmm. every every lover of something have their own podcast. I mean, I always talk about it. It is the wild west. It is. Yeah. I mean, the reason that I have this podcast, the reason that you and I are talking yes, right now, is, is because 
Kevin Smith. Yeah, like, for he sure. was somebody who, for years, along with Leo Laporte, yep. from the beginning of podcasting, <laughs> Leo Laporte yeah, from, from, from uh, Twitch or G Four, yeah, Twit TV. Um. And so it was one of the things where like seeing him do that, and it was yeah. like being a creator has never been easier. Yeah. And so when I was listening to I Sell Comics and then the show and yeah. everything like that, what would you say has been the biggest kind of advancement that you have? that you would say in this career so far with the show and with the podcast? I think I just love podcasting because anybody can do it. Um, mm-hmm. So Kevin is perfect because right. Kevin's always been the guy where he would say something and, you know, some people from above were like, oh, oh you can't say that yet or right. you shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> right. Always the guy's like, you know what? I just said it and I'm going to say it. You can't stop me. Mm-hmm. And before podcasting, it was harder. He would, you know, there was there was radio before this. Yeah. And radio was like, you can't say this, or you have to say this at this time, or you have to plug this. And, you know, as like, can I talk about this? No, that's too uh, controversial. Right. And I was like, well, that's crap. That's There's there's no freedom in that. So mm-hmm. when podcasting came out, perfect for him. And I had never been, I've been always a, growing up a quiet kid. I didn't say much. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything, anyone cared about my opinion. And then uh, slowly I got into podcasting because mm-hmm. when you're with Kevin, you can't avoid it. Pretty much. And I was like, I, I was like, I just felt this great, crazy like freedom. It's like I can say whatever I want and go as long as I want or mm-hmm. as short as I want. I can talk to Mike or Walt or Brian about anything. Yeah. And you can be made fun of on T on yes. Tessie and then yeah. you know riff on them on your show. Yeah. <laughs> and I just felt like, wow, I this is fun. I love to me. It's I love to vent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as a geek, what do geeks love to do? They love to complain about stuff. Or if, much. or if it's great, they love to praise it and they can't stop talking about it. That's awesome. And the fact that any geek or anybody can do this is amazing. Uh, I guess advancement-wise, like the equipment's gotten a lot better. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we used to use... Uh, I'll tell you a real funny story. Uh, mm-hmm. When Kevin and Scott started Smodcast, right. they went out to, I think, the Guitar Center. They bought a recorder and it came with a default... Back then it was compact flashcards before SD's right. card right. got big. And that's what they used. The, the one that Massive. came in the, in the package was like a gigabyte or oh 256 right. megabytes. So if you listen to the first, like, maybe 50 to 100 episodes of Smodcast, mm-hmm. you'll notice they're all under 58 minutes. And the reason of that, oh, that's yeah. where the recorder stopped. Mm-hmm. And That was back when they had the underlying music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before, and he even talked about that yep. on future episodes. He was like... We got to the point where we were like, why are we playing yeah, music it, under yeah. us the entire yeah, time? It's taking us 10 times longer to release this. Like, why don't we just put it out without the music? You don't need it. Right. Yeah, but they didn't realize they could get bigger cards to go more time until I saw them. I was like, hey, can I ask you something? <laughs> right. Why is your media always running out? Why don't you just go buy another card? They're like, you can do that? I'm like, wow. Yeah, so I, I went and I bought like a two gig card. Blew their minds. It, the recording time went from 58 minutes to like 214 hours or something. And they're like, oh, so, but it actually worked for those first few episodes where mm-hmm. they were, they had to get to the point. Right. It kind of actually worked really well. Mm-hmm. I think that really made them a great podcast. It was digestible. So, yeah. But yeah, the, the gear's been grading, getting great. You use a Zoom H6, and mm-hmm. so do I. And um, Zoom's tagline is we're made for creators. And they, absolutely true. They make a device where, like, if you don't have one, like, you're like, you're not a real podcaster, then I, I make fun of people who <laughs> right. use other brands. But yeah. And but like, at the same time, like it is easy, it is simple to tie yeah. into kind of your beginnings with podcasts yeah. now. So Pucknuts, yes, way back in the day. Dealing with the Devils in the NHL, yes. Devils in the NHL. So one of the questions I have to ask, yes, blending Pucknuts and comic book men yes. and everything, you pick a captain. 
For each team, you have a villain's team and a hero's team. Oh, wow. Who are your captains? Oh, man. A hero's team? Man, I would I would probably keep with, you know, the head honcho of the Avengers in my heart anyways, uh, Captain America. Okay. For sure. Yeah, he's... Solid choice. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he will do... He's up morally upstanding. Mm-hmm. He'll do no wrong. And he'll, he'll always be there to do the right thing. I mean, you could put in Tony Stark, but he's a loose cannon, man. Yeah, that is not going to work. Yeah, he's a no. loose cannon. Now, villains, you want the loose mm-hmm. cannon. You want the unpredictable. You got to go with the Joker, man. Yeah. Wow. The Joker. Okay. Uh, also, you know, if you wrong him, he'll he'll cut you. So pretty much. Yeah. You need a leader like that. You need. I think a team of villains. You need a leader that you fear for sure. But okay. hero, you want one that you look up to. That's just how it is. So, so it makes villain a villain. I think the unpredictability, <laughs> mm-hmm. the cutthroatness, the cold bloodedness. That's that's the Joker all the way. I love it. I love it. So you have been, like I said, not only incredibly busy with the podcast front, but you go to cons all over the place. It yes. seems like you are always busy. I love conventions. Coming mm-hmm. from my world where conventions started off in a one-room <laughs> hotel, some or orgy. hotel or a ballroom, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can get through there in a day, but you know you would dig through the retailers and stuff, and there'd be like maybe if you were lucky, two or three vendors, comic book vendors, right? To this where there's like sixty thousand people spread over four days you can't even yeah. see the exhibit hall in one day not even i love yeah. it i love it that 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 it grew to that big and that that this variety of stuff it's awesome it's hard on the wallet so right the reason i do these cons is so i can pay for all this stuff <laughs> that i buy but the other half is because i truly love it i really love coming here i love talking to guys like you who are well, passionate thank about you. podcasting and pop mm-hmm. culture and comics or or whatever else you want to talk about you know it's all random some people want to talk about Stranger Things. Some people want to talk Star Wars, Star Trek, for Battle sure. Star, Bruce Lee, like you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. I really love it. Very cool. And then last question. So, famous Superman story. Okay. You know the man. What do you get? The man who has everything. Okay. Yes. So, since you have been involved with cons and you've been going around, yes. what is your white whale? Is there a comic? Is there something that you, other oh, than Funko man. Pops, because I know that you are all on top of the Funko Pop game. Yeah. But what types of things, when you come to a con, are your white whale I items? I love, um, I'm starting into original art because okay. it's, there's yeah. only one thing. Absolutely. So I think, uh, I think um, you know, missing, I think, the cover to Avengers 4, like no one knows where it is. Wow. And it's pretty awesome. But I'm going to go off that. This is going to sound really weird. Uh, but the um, the AHA Take On Me video, you're familiar with this yeah, video? Yeah, yeah, of course. Has all those sketches that make up the video. Yeah. Those sketches have to be somewhere. Where are they? I want one of them. I just say I want one frame from the Aha Take on Me. The video. original. Yes. Okay. I know it had to be hundreds, if not thousands, of frames drawn for that, right? Absolutely. Where are they? I just want one. Somebody now that is a find f- out and find. I'll pay. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure they're way expensive. Right. <laughs> but to have that on your wall and be like, yeah, that made that video. That would be awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. So thank you so much, Absolutely. Ming Chen. And then social media, where can people find <laughs> you, but also the podcast studio? Give all your plugs. Oh, yeah. I'm not hard to find it on social media. Uh, twi- Twitter, Instagram, it's Ming Chen 37. M I N G C H E N 37. Facebook, you can search Ming Chen Comic Book Men. The podcast studio is a shareduniverse.com. Excellent. All those links will be in the show notes below. Thank you. Thank you again, Ming Chen. Thank you. It was great talking to you. Tanika Stotts. Hello. <laughs> AKA Neeks, AKA Nika Neeks. Thank you. A person of many names and many <laughs> talents. I like that I have many names now. That makes me really happy. I can think of, I mean, I just said three. I can think of the bad ones, but that's about it. 
Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So you and I have been trying to coordinate uh, uh-huh. over a few different conventions. Yes. Yes. The reunion. Yes. Getting the band back together. Absolutely. So Emerald City Comic Con 2018. You are here with a couple new books. Yes. Uh, last time it was Elements. Yes. And now it is... Which anthology series do you have or book do you have now? So first we have the reprint, which is Beyond the science fi- or the Queer Science Fiction and Fantasy Comic Anthology. Mm-hmm. And now we have Beyond 2, Electric yes. Boogaloo. I mean, Beyond <laughs> <Right>. 2, <laughs> the Queer Post-Apocalyptic and Urban Fantasy Comic Anthology. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hot off the presses, meaning it just freshly got out of its boxes from the boat that it was on. Mm-hmm. And now we have it available finally for not only Kickstarter contributors, but this is its debut con as really? far as being available for just regular humans. I mean, queer people and right. everybody else in between. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. So you have been a writer and editor and yeah. contributor yeah. <laughs> to a lot of things yeah. over the years. Yeah. But I want to go back in time. Okay. To some of your go old back. school things, <laughs> slam poetry, oh, I'm spoken word. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't listen to any of it. <laughs> but I want to know, I mean, coming from that medium, what were some of the tools that you learned in that medium that translated into the comic work that you have done over the past few years? Uh, mostly I learned collaboration. Uh, a lot okay. of collaboration existed in the slam poetry scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of just having people critique and look, go through a circle of sitting through and like formulating poems and reading it to people and getting feedback automatically, uh, collaboration in the sense of taking a finished piece, cutting it into a four-piece poem where four other people would read that piece and how you would feed off each other how you Mm. would vibe and gel and kind of get like the feedback and the impact that you were looking for not only that but the dynamic vocal ranges of your voices everything like that collaboration much like the music industry Mm -hmm. is very necessary part to being a full unit a full making an anthology so to speak right it gave me a lot of the guidelines and just kind of like the Mm, I'd say experiences that were necessary for any trials and tribulations that came my way because I'm very quick about thinking about things on my feet. And that also came from slam poetry Mm -hmm. because some nights you might have the East German judge sitting out there (laughs) who's like, I'm going to low score everybody tonight. And you're like, well, do I have a poem for you? Mm -hmm. I just made it up. Let's do this. (laughs) Literally right (laughs) now. Literally right now. So sometimes you'd want to go free form. Sometimes your mind would just go blah. You might have a cold or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you would need to come up with things on the fly. So it was being street smart. It was knowing your resources, but it was also learning how to collaborate people in a sense in a way that made sense for making something happen. That was magical. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you were going back to you know your stage days, and when you were yeah. thinking about the stage to the comics, yeah, and you talked about again that journey, the collaboration, yeah. and all of those things, yeah. What would you say with this current book, with Beyond Two? What would you say is kind of that magical piece that you can kind of pull from it that you want to give the readers? Well, one, I put a poem in it. I was like, oh, I'm, nice. just, I'm just going to do an illustration and a little poem piece, a little resistance for the current movement that we're all living through and struggling to uh, make our daily bread with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say that was kind of my gift, not only to Beyond, but Beyond's gift to me was just 
I wanted to read things that would make me feel better and put me in a better place. So I really just wanted to see everybody else's work shine. I did so much work with Elements Fire and right. I felt like I am working on so many other projects on the side. I want it to not stress myself. And that's another thing I want to teach other people right. is don't stress yourself out. If you are incapable of doing something, communicate that you're incapable of doing mm -hmm. it. And then figure out a healthy medium for yourself. Don't compromise, but figure out something that you can be satisfied with and just go forward with that notion and that kind of energy and don't exhaust yourself. Yeah. What were the additional challenges, would you say, with the collaboration piece or pieces, I should say, with both of the Beyond books? I mean, were they artists that were relatively new to you? Were they people that you have known in the industry? Talk about that process. Okay. So first off, this is going to sound like the craziest random happenstance. Uh -huh. I don't have any. Like Everybody was well on their game for Beyond 2. Uh, hmm. Even if I travel back in time for Beyond 1, right. uh, the only issue was is I went from being a contributor mm -hmm. to the editor, to <laughs> the publisher. Like That mm -hmm. was the only... I tell that story all the time, but... That was the only issue with Beyond One is that we had to make sure that the book existed and that it had its pretty much it made its form and that it did exist. Beyond mm -hmm. Two was just kind of a cakewalk. It was kind of a snooze. Really? No offense. Like, I'm not even trying to be like, this is easy. Right. I'm really not <laughs> at all. I mean, you still have to go through editing and you have to go through proofing. But my team is like well oiled after yeah. elements. And we were just coming off of that train. So everything just kind of went right through the station and then it was done. Like, and now you can see its physical form and you mm -hmm. can see how thick of a baby it is versus the yeah. first one. Uh, we, the only thing we did was up our game. We didn't regress. We didn't find anything that kind of pulled us back. Uh, if anything, we just went harder and mm -hmm. higher and we, we broke a few ceilings on the way. I mean, speaking of ceilings being broken, so queer comics yes. and queer representation yes. is obviously your driving force, your passion. Yeah. And that is something that I have witnessed over the past few years. Okay. That so much of the con yeah. and so many more people are not just being receptive to it, but really putting their hearts and minds into pieces yeah. that best reflect that community. Yeah. What do you think has been one of those driving forces other than Element Fire, of course, and other things you know, that you have been involved in? What are some other things that have helped the queer, uh, I would not even say resurgent, but yeah. uh, the queer representation at cons like this? Confidence. Really? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are gaining and finding their own confidence, uh, be it by reading web comics or mm -hmm. reading physical comics or just talking about like their ships and their AUs and their pairings. They're no longer taking queer baiting as like the status quo. They don't want to see these things exist. They just want to exist. <laughs> right. So therefore, they're no longer waiting. They're now hungry and they they're just going to make it exist. It's mm -hmm. like. You've been looking through a window so long at somebody preparing a meal for you and eventually you just kick in the window and make the meal yourself and then somebody yeah. calls the cops. But, you know, <laughs> uh, you yeah. can explain to the officer later it was it was four queer comics. Th this, is a, this is a safe space. You can talk about your past and we accept you. <laughs> Listen, nobody knows what happened on Parkway Drive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, really, uh, 
confidence has been a lot of things for a lot of people. It comes mm-hmm. in various shapes and sizes. Nobody knows who they are exactly at any sh- at any given time. You're constantly growing, evolving, learning, still matriculating the things outside of yourself and figuring out who you are as a person by constructing yourself, deconstructing yourself, making mistakes, being wrong, mm-hmm. and then accepting that you're wrong and then you know apologizing and becoming someone who proves themselves right it is okay to have failures it's okay to have mistakes but you got to understand that not everybody's going to be there to pick you back up you have to do it on your own as well and you have to be prepared that there are consequences for the actions that we have in our lives but it doesn't mean that you are like a nobody and that you have no sense of a second chance you need to go make your new chances and stop Mm -hmm. relying on the out the old ones yeah one of my favorite quotes is failure is success training yes yes it is do you have a biggest failure that you think led to your biggest success uh i have many of those (laughs) great (laughs) i mean i'm trying to think of like just one Mm -hmm. i fail often and i'm not afraid of failure because it just makes me stronger as a person as far as like failing with beyond i only failed in poetry really and then I took like a super hiatus because I was very depressed. Um, I tried taking on too much of a responsibility at a younger age when I didn't have enough of life experience to understand not just manipulation or the core being of how somebody would utilize somebody else for their own gain, mm-hmm. but I allowed myself to be put in a position where I was not comfortable with what was happening around me. And I didn't have the verbiage to kind of assess the matter at the time. And I right. didn't have the reliance of others. So it was my massive failure was trying to take on like a massive like I'd say finance and kind of like merchandise position within the national realm. I thank God for Susan McAllister who saved my buttocks (laughs) from Albuquerque, New Mexico back when I was doing Slam Nationals. And I had totally like tits up that whole thing. I didn't even get to mail things back on time. I was like living in Utah, super depressed. And Susan like totally pulled me out. And not only that, but made one hell of a convention happen, made sure nationals went on time. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what friends or enemies, made sure that everything was finished and completed. And it was through that, through me looking at Susan, taking my failure of what I had done and seeing how she just worked through it and persevered. It really inspired me. So when I got into comics, I took a Susan McAllister approach to it. Mm-hmm. Like little unknown clerk who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico is totally like my icon and inspiration for life because they were somebody who were pivotal to me as something I could see as someone who could actively consciously work through any problem mm-hmm. and find a solution and just make that solution exist and then continue on with your day. And that's why I love Susan. That is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> so moving forward. Yes. With Elements Fire. Mm-hmm. What are the next kind of pieces? Are there going to I be... I can just tell you what the next book is. Oh, That's fantastic. Edge. Uh, I will be announcing in the summer of 2018, unless I'm too busy, apologies. Uh, I will be announcing... <laughs> Tentatively. <laughs> yeah. I will be announcing Elements Earth. Because after the fire cools, new lands rise, and we want to start getting into that reclamation. We want to get into that regrowth, that overgrowth. We want to start healing all of these wounds that we are currently suffering from and Mm -hmm. have a moment to just 
be a little bit different, be a little bit crazy, be a little bit off-world. But Earth is a is a way and an interpretation that is so deep, and it's healing and soothing. And I, after fire, which was so aggressive and full of passion, right. I want that healing. I want that time. So I want to see those stories and how beautiful that they're going to just be coming out of everyone. And mm-hmm. it's it's the fun of the journey is I get to read all of your submissions, and I <laughs> right. read all of your submissions. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's like I get to treat myself. It's it's healing through your own stories as well. And again, like. Like any anthology, just because you don't get in doesn't mean you shouldn't make it. Absolutely. Well, that is the big thing. I mean, when I talk about film festivals and things like that, always submit. Yeah. Like always put it out there because somebody is going to see it. Somebody is going to read it in this case. Yes. And then if you do not make it in the next book, you put your name out there again. And then the more it sticks in the minds of the authors, the editors, the judges, whatever it is, that counts. That matters. Yes. So, so you're saying submit. Absolutely submit. submit. Always submit. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no other way to get through life, really, unless you actually put yourself out there. Yep. Submitting is the first step forward, and everything that comes after that, well, it comes after. Right. Whether you're accepted, rejected, it's your 15th or your first, you, you need to be around. Otherwise, nobody knows you're there. It's like raising your hand in a classroom. I see yeah. you. You're there. The end. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, uh, Tanika, where can people find you, your work, all of it? Uh, I am always available at www.tanikastots.com. I'm also available at beyond-press.com, and I'm on Twitter at Nika Neeks. <laughs> One of the three names that we talked about earlier. One of the three. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you, Tanika, for taking the time to be on here. Thank you, John. I love you. <laughs> Sitting down with me now is... Pornsack Pichette Shoot. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. So we just got done with the image panel. Yes. I say we. I did nothing. You were a hell of an audience, my friend. You hey, were a hell of an audience. Hey, there we go. Uh, and when I heard the concept of your book, it immediately grabbed my attention. Uh, give us the pitch that you said when you introduced the book. On the panel. <laughs> All right. So the, the, the real quick pitch, it's about an American Muslim woman and her multiracial neighbors who live in a building that's haunted by these creatures that seem to feed off xenophobia. And, <laughs> and, that's, and that's, that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. Again, sounds incredible. <laughs> so the <laughs> ghosts that feed off of the xenophobia, mm-hmm. have they always been there? Is this something like, what time period does this take place in? Well, this takes place, uh, th- this is very, very, very much now. Okay. It, gotcha. It's very up to the minute now. Um, I was gonna like, are these ancient ghosts that always hated everybody, or is no, this a recent thing? It, it, uh, so okay, so I have to be careful with how I answer this because the mystery of what the ghosts are and gotcha. why they do what they do is very much part of the of what propels the story along in, in some okay. in some cases. What I love about horror, what I love about genre, is that you get to play with tropes. Yes, and so we there's a lot of tropes that we're playing with with here. There is definitely the trope of the you know. There is a uh, there is this uh, there's a belief of ghosts mm-hmm. where that ghosts are sort of unresolved emotion extreme unresolved emotions. Okay. And there's a lot of and that manifests themselves in different ways in like poltergeist or whatever that case may be. Um, that is part of the haunted house sort of mythology. There's another part of the haunted house mythology of people who are slighted feel um, you know or there there are revenge ghosts you know and that um, and, and that is is part of it. And there's also uh, you know, part of that 
that, that mythology is the whole, you know, the whole trope of the house is built on an ancient Indian burial ground. Right, kind of, right. And that's part of the trope. So I like to think we take a lot of that stuff, toss it in there, and do our own twists on it. So, okay. So, but that's some of the thinking behind it without actually spelling out exactly what's going on. Of course, of okay. course. Now, this is an image book. Yes. And again, the panel that we were just, that I was just listening to yeah. that you were on, it just is all about the creativity mm-hmm. of image yeah. and the freedom mm. that you're given at image. Is this an idea that you've had for a while that you knew that you wanted to make a home for at image? Yeah. I mean, so the way it worked for me was I knew I've had this idea for a while. I, um, so I used to be an editor over at Vertigo okay. and I had this idea when I was an editor, I very much uh, did not want to write comics when I edited comics. And even though there's a really long history, uh, John Lehman is one of them, mm-hmm. of great uh, comic book writers who start off as great comic book editors. Right. Uh, you know, I did not want to do that primarily because, you know, the, the, the reference point, the latest reference point, reference point I had was like 90s Marvel where all those guys were giving each other assignments and it led to the bankruptcy of the company. Right. You know? And so, um, so when I was there, I never thought about writing comics or editing comics, but I had this idea and it kind of slowly evolved while it was there. And, um, and so, you know, what happened was as the world became what the world is now, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 the themes of the story became more and more relevant as, as we went. And I just, I couldn't, have it sit in a drawer anymore like I really needed to, felt like I needed to make it and then it was my very first phone call so it was when I was over at Vertigo uh, I, be, I had struck a friendship with Jose Villarubia who's like legendary colorist with mm-hmm. Alan Moore and like colors pretty much everybody right and again no pressure no pressure right and I called him because my favorite game with him would be like oh I just got a book greenlit here's what it's about who's, here's who I'm thinking for artists mm-hmm. and then Jose would be like no you shouldn't do that you should think about these people these people and that <laughs> right. was like the game is he would just bounce I would bounce artists with and so part of coming back to comics was a good excuse to get just get in touch with old friends nice and so you know, now that and I had it in my head, I'm going to do a comic. It's like, oh, I'm going to play the game with Jose. I'm going to give Jose a call and say, like, who he thinks should, mm-hmm. should do this. And so, and Jose, you know, heard the pitch. He knew me. And he was kind of like, you know, as you know, I'm a closeted editor. I would really love to edit this book if you'd, like, be cool with that. Interesting. And I was like, oh, that, that sounds amazing. You know, like, I, you know, like, he's done so much. You know, but it's his first book as editor. I've edited a bunch of books. and my first book as writer. Like, we both kind of have skin in the game that mm-hmm. way. So, um... So I was just like, I was in, but it, it was a weird thing of, we had an editor for the book before we had an art team for the book. Interesting. So, yeah. You know, that normally does yeah, not happen. That's not how it works. So as a result, like we were open of going everywhere, but like image was definitely our first choice because awesome. it was the only place where that, that could happen, you mm-hmm. know? So like, and then we got everybody together, got the team together and we started pitching it to all, but like image was the first place we pitched to and image gave us a really fast turnaround. On, on, a, on a yes and so like and it was funny because we had this whole six month like strategy of like <laughs> right. who we're gonna go and what the order was and all that sort of stuff and it little, and but it was you know we pitched it to Eric Eric got back to us super quick says this sounds super cool we're in and we're off to the races from there but wow. we couldn't have done it anywhere else you know mm-hmm. anywhere else you know there would have been a, like would they be cool with us having an editor but Jose's done all this work already I, mm-hmm. he should, I feel he should get credit so it was one of those things that worked out really well excellent so you talked about the the team kind of the partners yeah. that you're working with yeah. How many issues is this planned out for? And is this going to be the same team the whole process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's five issues. It's okay. the whole team. Like, we're, we are in it, in it, in it, in it, in it. Like, um, and it's one of the things I actually really do love about the team. Like, we are a team. Um, Jose, very early on, said, listen, if I'm coloring this book, 
I can't give myself coloring notes. So porn sec, mm. you're used to giving me coloring notes. I need your coloring notes. And because I, I was, I start off as an editor and because of the way my brain is wired, you know, as layouts and art was coming in from Aaron, I would give notes and I would give them to, to Jose and be like, mm-hmm. listen, don't feel like this is what I saw. If you agree with any, I've given to, to Aaron. But if you don't, like, no pressure. This is just how my brain works. But because I was opening it up that way, I couldn't be like, and no one could tell me tell me about anything. Right. So I was kind of <laughs> I like, I know everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that that meant Aaron, you know, is free to give me notes and all that kind of stuff. Tell what isn't working for him. I actually just got off the phone with him this morning, uh, where we were talking about issue five, and like, and we were talking about like what works and what doesn't work for him. And he came up with a great pitch to handle a beat in issue five that I think we're totally going to do. Um, and and yeah, and that's what I love about like the the thing that I really love is because you know between the the four of us, with including Jeff Powell, who's our letter designer, we've been collectively in the industry for over half a century. Mm-hmm. And so for all of us, it's all about storytelling. And so, and that is kind of like the church that we all go to worship, right. where it's all about what is like, it's all about what we're going to, what this story is about, how to, the best way to tell the story. So in a lot of ways, my, you know, aside from writing the scripts, like a lot of my, the responsibility I have is just to be clear what the intent of the scenes are and what the intent of everything is. So that way I have all these extraordinarily talented people who can help me get, get across the finish line. Awesome. So the book comes out March 14th, March 14th. Yeah. 14th. Now, is it something, so does it going to be a monthly book? Yeah. Yeah. Monthly ongoing book. So it hopefully will come out like middle of the month every month until un, yeah un, until i think july is when issue five is is slated so so yeah so so not there's no wood there's wood <laughs> it's like there, there's wood there's around, wood somewhere. around somewhere yeah so uh but yeah but it comes out march 14th and we, you know we're just waiting to see how it does and how people respond to it and all that kind of good stuff okay and then last question sure. what were some of your inspirations when you're in that creative mindset sounds like when you're at vertigo when thinking about this idea yeah. Who are some of those inspirations, or what projects were some inspirations oh that I guided mean, you? So many, uh, so, uh, so many things. Uh, so many things inspire me. On the comics side of it, uh, I've mentioned in the panel Scott Snyder and Jock's Witches, mm-hmm. big influence. Uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki was a big influence. Uh, Jamie Delano's early Hellblazers. Um, you know, I, I think the 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 first the first concept of like a racist creature racist supernatural creature i th- i think jamie delano deserves credit for that because it's an mm. early issue of hellblazer that okay. john you know that john fights one and um i'm trying to think uh alan moore and steve Bissett and rick beaches and john toddlebin's swamp thing you know like you can't do a horror comic without like oh you know yeah your hat Th- those, those are i mean if you were to look at the mount rushmore yeah yeah exactly you know of horror comics that definitely is up there yeah so all that sort of factored into it you know, looking at just like where the conversation was, like you know what Willow Wilson's doing over in Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know that that was really inspirational. A couple of the horror movies, like uh, the original the Juon, the movie that The Grudge was based yeah, yeah. on, was a huge influence on me. Okay. Uh, you know, it's funny. I don't find it a particularly scary movie, but the original Dark Water was also a big influence on the story as well. Um, and not the cartoon from the 90s, Pirates of Dark Water. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> less Pirates of Dark Water. That's very true. A little less Pirates of Dark Water. But, uh, but yeah, and then, um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. The Shining, mm-hmm. uh, The Descent, those will always be influences. Right. Uh, but those are kind of, you know, those were, those were, I feel like, kind of the things. And also, like, you know, I read a lot of comics. So, like, just mm-hmm. anything that was there that was just kind of, like, sort of setting the bar and trying to push me to do, to do more. 
I try to inhale as much horror comics as I could at that time and try to go through like, oh, the ones that got me and the ones mm-hmm. that didn't and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and honestly, and this is like, you know, you're spoiled by it, is that like you live and die. Horror, in horror, for horror comics, you live and die by your artist. Like you can construct right. a scare as much as you want. If your artist can't draw scary, your, your book will not be scary. Mm-hmm. That is just how that works. Okay. So yeah. So, so that yeah. collaborative effort, it definitely just that synergy was there right I away. I cannot like I cannot emphasize enough how lucky I feel that Aaron Campbell exists just as an artist period and then on top of that was it wanted to work with us on this book. Um we needed it was it has a multiracial cast. So mm-hmm. as a result, we knew we needed someone who can do a certain amount of photorealism. Uh, primarily because when you get cartoony with that stuff, it, it, it gets problem. It can get problematic quickly as you're trying to do yeah. p- p- characters of different uh, of different ethnicities. Uh, but then on top of that, me and Jose, we're not big fans of that photo that's that rigid photorealist style so we need to have a little bit of expressionism to his line okay there's not a ton of people who can do that then on top of that he had to draw scary and then while there's a lot of comic book artists that do horror comics Mm -hmm. there's much fewer who can actually draw scary so then i need someone who could do that interesting i needed someone who was a veteran so i wouldn't be chasing him down for pages Mm -hmm. you know but and and it's been around the block but at the same time that guy couldn't have been swooped up by marvel and dc because we couldn't afford those rates right so like when you like the circle just got smaller and mm-hmm. smaller and smaller so the fact that I, it, it it's a miracle to me that aaron was available that he wanted to do like it's it just so many stars aligned to, to get aaron on this project and then the fact that he was dying to do horror mm-hmm. he had been pigeonholed in a film noir in kind of the noir world for so long over at dynamite he desperately wanted to do something heightened and horror specifically was something he always wanted to do so i just felt super lucky when i talked to him and like all these things just end up aligning it was, it was it's kind of amazing and i'm still shocked that it happened and awesome. then he's a fantastic guy on top of that, so that always right. helps. Right, <laughs> that yeah. helps. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, totally, totally. No, it's been great. It's, I'm really, really happy. My, my only regret is I do feel like after this book, he will get swooped up by someone, and I will never see him again. <laughs> I will get, he will get swooped up by someone who will pay him lots of money, and mm-hmm. I will never see him again. <laughs> uh, hold out hope. Yeah, thank you. you. Know. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm sure something will work yeah, yeah, out yeah, on yeah, the road. Yeah. So for the time being, so Infidel is the name of the book. Yes. March 14th is yeah. issue number one. Yep. It will be a monthly series. Yes. Uh, and then social media, where can people follow you, oh, your work, yeah. the book? So uh, the best place to follow me and the book right now is real underscore Pornsack, P-O-R-N-S-A-K. And that's where I am at Twitter. I'm also available on uh, on Facebook. Okay. I think I'm the Pornsack with all the comic book friends. Like That's pretty much the easiest way to like find me. But um, Aaron Campbell's available on Facebook as well. Jose Villarubia is available on Facebook. We do have a fan page that I've been very bad at man- maintaining, so I hesitate to even mention it because okay. it's so badly maintained. But um, but yeah, but those are the primary places that, that we're, we, we are online. Excellent. So thank you so much. Of course. Man. Pornsack. P-Shed Shoat. Yes, yes. Oh, you nailed it. You absolutely so nailed, good it. I nailed it. Way better than Sean. Way better than Sean. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Johnny Christmas is the creator of the upcoming, as of today, actually, when this episode drops on Wednesday, of the new book, Firebug. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So when you were on the panel earlier today, you had this amazing story about the Coliseum and how it pertained to Firebug. So do you want to talk about that story? Uh, sure. Um, I was uh, referencing how I think about like uh, the timelessness um, of things and how those things move through time. Um, 
and the uh, firebug basically has a lot of modern elements in it uh, set to a backdrop of the sort of older mythological sort of themes. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about the places like the Colosseum where people can be standing out in front of the Colosseum now listening to Migos. Right. So, you know, so it's like thousands of years old. Like, this, like so much has happened there where now is there, then is there. It's the future is there, like, but the Colosseum will still be the Colosseum. So I, I had this thought, what if all of that was kind of happening, um, not actually at the same time, but almost like spiritually at the same time, mm -hmm. where, where all those, like the, what's imbued in the place is still part of, you can visualize it in a story. Okay. And the story of Firebug, there's a lot of mythological tethers Absolutely. that kind of run through it. So give people the framework of the story that you talked about on the panel, which sounds awesome. Uh, Jess and Damien picked up a copy of it and are super excited to read through it. I have not had a chance to read it yet because I just picked it up a couple hours ago. But give people the framework for Firebug. Okay. Uh, Firebug is a story of a volcano goddess. It, uh, she comes from a long line of volcano goddesses that were around and then they sort of slipped away through time and history. Now this new volcano goddess has come on the scene and there was these prophecies, but they're unclear whether she's here to save the world or destroy the world. Mm -hmm. And she's heading back to the sacred volcano, which is the source of it all, sort of like a flaming arrow towards a paper target. And everyone's kind of freaked out and there's like monsters <laughs> right. and like, there's like, you know, cults that are trying to stop it. There are people who are trying to help her and all these interesting things. Meanwhile, she's just trying to figure it out. She's like, you know, she's got her flaws and she's in love and she's heartbroken and she's got all these things going on. And um, so, yeah, so she's very human. She's a very human goddess. Okay. Now, when people think of fire and that particular element, things like passion and fury, you know, are words associated with it. What are some words that you would like to associate with Firebug, with this new creation of yours? Uh, I think a lot about home. And I think about, really? okay. about family. And I think about uh, sort of finding your place. So the world tells us a lot of things about who we are and who we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's easy to buy into them or sometimes, you know, we just do. Um, but if you spend enough time investigating things, sometimes you find the truth that's not what you assumed, what the world told you the truth is. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, with, with Firebug, I, I kind of wanted her to, it's a story of, a young person discovering her own truth, um, okay. speaking her own truth, like investigating it, making mistakes along the way. So, and, and trying to find home where sometimes home isn't where you thought it was and maybe mm -hmm. home isn't where you need to be. And sometimes you need to make a new home for yourself. Yeah. Well, and from fire, I mean, things like, you know, Phoenix is another thing that comes from, you know, word association with that. You know, and sometimes something needs to be destroyed for then something new to come Absolutely. from it. So with Firebug, this is kind of your latest creation. Now, is this going to be just the one book that you have for sale you know, during the con, or is this going to be an ongoing series? Uh, originally, it was supposed to just wrap here. Okay. Um, I left a few little, once you read it, you'll see there's mm -hmm. a few windows open for the story to continue, but I just thought that would just make it even more of a compelling standalone sort of graphic novel. But now, as it's been done, and the longer it sits in the back of my head, mm -hmm. as I've been here at this con, it's, I've been writing like unintentionally. Oh, like, wow. The characters are speaking to me, the plot's unfolding, and I kind of have a lot of the second 
part already written, so it's kind of like, well, what am I going to do with this? I, <laughs> right. I, I should just go on ahead and write it and, um, and just, you know, get it ready for the world. So I'm, I'm actually very excited about continuing it uh, if, it, if it goes well, if the, the reception's good for the book. So definitely thank the fans for pushing, <laughs> pushing the idea oh, on yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have, other projects, have other projects of yours had that same reaction where once you put it out, do you then start to constantly be thinking about it? Or is it just kind of once you do it, you feel like it is wrapped up and that chapter is kind of closed? For the most part, they're, they're usually closed. Okay. So that's what makes this kind of special. that Because um, they feel very satisfying. Sat- like It's satisfying to have it closed in the way that the, the last ones have been closed. But this one feels like a beginning. Because mm. uh, as this character discovers more and more about herself and, and starts feeling more certain... Like it, it, there is never an end, really. You know, like we, we, we overcome challenges and we, we find new ways and you know, discover new things about ourselves. But it, 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 uh, it just sort of leads you to another valley or another mountain or another, and then you have to overcome that challenge or investigate that new thing that you didn't really know about yourself, and mm-hmm. now you have to see where that leads, and that leads you on another adventure always. Fantastic. <laughs> It looks amazing. You have a bunch of other books at your table. Do you want to plug those as well? <laughs> sure, sure thing. Uh, I'm doing a uh, series uh, called Angel Catbird with uh, the great Margaret Atwood. She wrote that series and I illustrated it um, through Dark Horse Comics and we had a blast on that. Uh, it's like a fun sort of uh, golden age science quirky humor book. Mm-hmm. And um, then I have uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum uh, a book called Shelter that uh, me and my buddy uh, Cobr- um, Ed Brisson uh, created a couple years back about uh, doomsday preppers where something happens to the adults where it's just the kids left on this like you know um, they're, they're waiting for the end of the world but half the kids don't think it's coming some do so it's basically Lord of the Flies at the end of the world sounds super endearing and charming <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah just a lighthearted fair right of course yeah something just on a lazy Sunday oh. you just want to roll through okay yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time, Thanks Johnny. Thanks so much for having me. Really and where can people find you on social media? Where can people pick up the book? Sure. I'm at uh, J underscore Xmas, X-M-A-S, on Twitter. I'm on uh, Instagram as Johnny Xmas. I'm on the Facebook. I'm all over the place. Um, you can pick up the book at any comic shop. You get it on Amazon and uh, big booksellers. It's like the whole thing. So, like, we got distribution. So, you could you should be able to find it any, anywhere. Fantastic. The book is Firebug, but also there are more. So definitely (laughs) follow Johnny on the links that will be in the show notes. Thanks again. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.